Are you searching for new books to read for the new year? Look no further than Reading While Black podcast. Reading While Black is a cross-platform online group and podcast where we dissect and discuss African-American literature. We select novels penned by authors of color and discuss their writing process, purpose of the novel, and celebrate black literary art. Reading While Black promotes reading as a self-help tool for better mental health. We believe in selecting books by us, with us in mind, while also providing a safe space where individuals can speak about their experiences living in this world while black and tell their stories. You can find Reading While Black podcast on several different platforms like Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Breaker, and Stitcher, just to name a few. Just search Reading While Black. Now, let's get back to the show. Cut it, open up his chip Got a cush pack shells and some Henny we can sip Keep a couple dollars, I don't give a penny to a bitch But I'm with a couple hoes who say they really wanna get Acquainted with some niggas who ain't the average niggas They just wanna see why all their girlfriends be wanting pictures I be flying in the hundred net, worth a hundred hundred stack I ain't gonna stop shopping till I hit a hundred sacks Follow that's a given, I ain't even got a mention Candy old school, put you niggas in detention Slab niggas geeked up, tool in the clothes I'm just a young fresh fly fool with some gold Hey, what it do, my dude? I'm living life, dog, what about you? And I ain't even gotta tell a lie My swag, my steeds, got a nigga sky high So I watch my moves from my shoes on a cool beat Damn, if a nigga ain't high to the roof Tip tight, get it right, homie, more or less What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the Thank God I'm Fresh podcast. It is your host, Dr. TGIF, back with you with another week of pop culture, politics, and music, and whatever else is on my mind. I have a special guest with me in the building. Um, She is a... Famu Rattler uh, with a bachelor's in science and computer information systems. Um, she also has a master's in fine arts and film and electronic media from American University. Um, her name is Shayla Raquel. Um, she is a quintessential creative born and raised in South Carolina, but is currently living in Washington, D.C. Diagnosed with sickle cell disease at birth and having a stroke at the young age of 12, her childhood battle with the disease is what brought her closer to art and storytelling and the love of filmmaking. Shayla has written and directed three film projects and her latest is entitled Revenant, River, Rivermint. Sorry. Rivermint is a short film that discusses intergenerational trauma while comparing and contrasting movements. The film follows the relationship between a grandmother and a granddaughter to highlight how women have been and will continue to be at the forefront of all movements. Shayla Raquel is currently on the filming festival circuit with 20 official selections and 11 awards to date. Ladies and gentlemen, Ms. Shayla Raquel, what's going on, Shayla? Nothing much. Thanks for having me. Uh, really, really glad to have you here. Um, we were talking earlier. Um, I got friends that are FAMU alums. Yes. Um, you crossed two of my closest friends. <laughs> yes. 
those um, windows. Shout out to Lacey. Shout out to Chelsea. I love y'all 251. <laughs> uh, Mobile stand. Uh, I'm to put off Alabama. I love my city. Uh, I really do. Uh, so I brought you on today because, and I reached out to you. I saw one of your threads online speaking about the Fire Festival mm-hmm. uh, documentaries, and I was really, really interested in talking about these because I know you saw my dialogue as well. Mm-hmm. And we were kind of basically on the same wavelength about things that happened in the film. I was really happy that I watched the Hulu one first. Though I kind of wish that I watched the Netflix the Netflix doc first because then I would have been surprised. That was my opinion. That was my opinion. I was telling everyone who were asking like which one you should watch first. I think that Netflix and, and it's just my opinion. Netflix was the one to watch first because of the big surprise at the end of Hulu. I think that if you did it in that way, it allowed you to be a little bit more open-minded. Um, you, would, mm. you wouldn't have been hypercritical of the Netflix one if you watched Netflix first. So, yeah. Right. See, I walked into the Netflix documentary automatically being critical because I was like, the Jerry Media guys. <laughs> exactly. So, like, exactly. Like, like, fuck Jerry. Like, no intended. <laughs> no. I was just like, this is this is stupid. Like, you're telling me that these guys actually made the documentary and then I read the news article about, um, you know, Billy being mm-hmm. paid by by Hulu. But also, like, there was a lot of hyperbole around that. Like, people were saying he made a quarter of a million dollars. And they were like, no, that's not how it went down. The article was like, y'all really believed that a person who is, we both to the similar con- really is a compulsive liar that he's a sociopath what would make you believe if he told you that we pay him 250k and you just did a whole documentary about how much of a sociopath he is what would make you believe that like it raised a good yeah. point like, it, it that's why i was like checkmate Hulu, checkmate <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I really liked how they put theirs out first because i feel like if netflix just came out with theirs and hulu's came out with theirs afterwards people wouldn't have gravitated to the hulu net uh to the hulu documentary as well netflix is such a behemoth of a viewing um of a viewing service Very and true. streaming um hulu is you know obviously a big juggernaut in that fight for the sh- the world of streaming but not near close is what netflix is so very well played by them in that chess movie. they did putting out their documentary first and putting out two documentaries for the first i've never like really seen where people put two documentaries out on the same subject but it really offered like very transparent dialogue mm-hmm. like where if you watch netflix's documentary first you really get a sense of how it really affected that local community on that island exactly. and on the Hulu documentary, you really get a good idea of who is Billy? Mm-hmm. Like, where does he come from? Like, it really humanizes him. And not humanizes him in a way that you feel sorry for him. Humanizes him in a way where you're like, oh, this guy is an awful human oh, being. Awful human <laughs> and he really believes everything that he says. Um, you could see, like, in his face where they were like, you know, yo, like you realize that you're lying, right? He's like, No, I'm not. I'm like, <laughs> yes, yes, you are. Yes, you're yes. <laughs> you are lying. Like, like you're blatantly lying, like in front of our faces. Um, so it's like I really enjoyed both. Um, if I had to pick one out of the other, which I hate, you know, 
in, in, in the world of in 2019, we compare and contrast mm-hmm. everything. Um, sometimes I hate doing that. But if I had to pick one, I really, really enjoyed the Hulu one. It was funny, but it was yet dark at the same time. Okay. It was it was that perfect combination of dark humor that I really appreciated. And I really love that they talk about this point and click generation that we, you know, Absolutely. that we it's a little bit of millennial, but it's also like I feel like it's more so also post uh, millennials. I think it's also Generation Z years. Mm-hmm. Um, they did lean and harp a lot on millennials. I'm like, okay, yeah, and that worse <laughs> at this point. I'm like, we're not all like this. A lot of us are, but not all of us. But the one conversation I really wanted to have was the was what I learned about this documentary. Mm -hmm. And what I learned most is that there's two sides to the internet. And I never knew about Fire Festival until the Fire Festival fiasco happened. Exactly. But as far as promos for it and things of that nature, like the algorithm on Instagram never got to it. Never. I never saw an orange tile. I never saw it. Yeah, I never, I don't even remember it. And like, I don't follow the Bella Hadid's, the... Crystal, you know, Kendall Jenner's. Um, I don't follow all of the, you know, supermodels and stuff like that who were in the film or anybody who would. That's why when they were saying influencers, I was like, who are these people? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I wanted you to expound on that because I've been on, it'll be 10 years in April since I've been on Twitter. And the only Twitter that I know is Black Twitter. Absolutely. Like, and it also makes me feel like we're in a bubble. And it also makes me feel, it kind of reminds me of, uh, what's the book? Um, the Giver. Um, and how they live in this bubble yeah. society and they don't know anything that's outside of it. Yeah. Even um, our internet is our- segregated. We don't, we we communicate with people who, who know us, who are like us, who have the similar experiences. And so mm. I didn't, with me, I never saw Orange Tile. But I remember... Um, seeing the trailer for the um, for the festival because my boyfriend at the time he absolutely loves um, the festivals he loves music festivals um, and mm. so he saw it he saw the trailer somehow through I guess some other type of friends and so that's how I saw the trailer and I was like oh okay that looks dope and then that that was it like I don't I don't remember having a second thought about it whatsoever. I knew it wasn't for me. It didn't have, I mean, yeah, Chanel Iman, but it did not have enough black people um, rolling in the sand <laughs> and looking. Like, enough it was not. Folk. So, you know, so we didn't, we didn't have enough black supermodels making it look like, you know, a lot of time. So I was like, oh, okay. And that was like the end thought. And then when it hit Twitter, that it was like, basically a shit show (laughs) it was that was when i think that's when black twitter takes over because at the end of the day black twitter are like pioneers when it comes to like content and what's funny so we even though like you know it affected that that community um we kind of took it with the memes like we were the ones who who made it (laughs) jokes are better than that yeah a funny thing and it was all because we knew we wasn't gonna go we knew good and well that wasn't our our thing you know like so mm -hmm. i thought that was hilarious how basically like yes the documentary can say the cheese sandwich was what like blew it up but i i wholeheartedly believe that it's because black twitter found (laughs) found it them jokes (laughs) And we took it and nobody, ran with it. Yeah, nobody nobody knows how to make um 
nobody knows how to make content like black Twitter and every, every white media company tries to figure it out and tries to duplicate it. Um, and tries to hire somebody as a diversity hire to do mm-hmm. it. And it just, just doesn't roll off the tongue. It's, it's not, not authentic. Organic. It's, not authentic. <laughs> it's not organic. It's not authentic. It's, it just doesn't feel right. Uh, so the only thing that I will say, like the positive that's really come out of this documentary um, is uh, the older woman from the island who spent her fortune, her life's mm-hmm. fortune um, on this festival, because I think that's one thing, even when we were cracking jokes, when, you know, the fiasco happened, um, that's one thing that I do love that the Netflix documentary, you know, highlighted is how this affected the economy on that mm-hmm. island. And even on the Hulu documentary, they talk about how the islands, specifically the Bahamas, are like ripe for opportunity for scamming. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like seeing that woman see that she lost everything because she invested all of it because they promised that this festival would be there for five years and it's this high upscale festival. So money is being spent like these white kids spent a lot of their parents' money. Uh, I say a lot of their parents' money specifically because they were the wealth jumped out very quickly when I saw the prices of what they were spending. But one thing that um, I do like is that, you know, people found out about her uh, GoFundMe and in classic black Twitter fashion, it gets put everywhere. And, you know, she got her money. Absolutely. Back. I think like three yeah. times over too. like she's yeah, three times. Yeah. Over. She originally lost like 50,000 for savings. I think the last count I saw, she had raised 160,000. So that's, that's phenomenal. And I mean, it kind of just shows like how the universe like pays you back and you do good from your heart. You know, yeah. yeah. Um, so so that was like a really good thing that I was Vanity. happy to see. I'm um, about yeah. that. Yeah, I, I feel like Ja Rule should be paying her as well. Um, speaking of which, that's another reason why I knew black folks wasn't gonna go for that. <laughs> if we saw that the headliner was Ja Rule, <laughs> would have been off of it. And let like, me tell you though, like when it when it comes to time to defend Ja Rule, we will because Ja Rule did have hits in his era. And, you know, you can go down the history of how that, like, came to an end in 50 Cent. But we cannot deny <laughs> that Ja Rule had hits. And he was having hit after hit after hit. And then, you know, Ashanti. And they just had their thing. And it was a dope era. So we can't. Yeah, really but are we going to see him in 2000 and what? what was this, 17, 16? This was 17. Yeah. We're not going to see Ja Rule. At the Bahamas in 2000, would we see a Ja Rule and a Shanti right there at Howard Theater, or, or you know, like the local? <laughs> yes, absolutely, we would go and spend a nice little twenty-five dollar ticket to see our boy Ja. But we not about to spend those. It was a ticket. What was two hundred and fifty thousand dollars? We're not spending up. that for no Ja. I'm, I know Ja knows like, one eighty two. I, when I saw that, I was like, not with my Caucasian dollars. No. <laughs> no. Not today. No. And I was like, what we are know, you we, we go, We've been to the, you know, we've been to the Caribbean before. We know it, we ain't spending no 250K in the, the Caribbean. We can get us a nice, all-inclusive. I know white folks who ain't spending $250,000. No. We can get us a nice, all-inclusive for, like, nothing near that. And flight. <laughs> I just wanted to say that uh, Ja Rule walked so Drake could run. Um, <laughs> give him his respect. Like, give, like 
he was singing and rapping on the track before it was cool. True. Um, Nelly came and, and like really changed it, took it to another level with his hotter year. Sure I didn't did. think he sure did. Uh, then Nelly and started then crossing went, borders, and you know he 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 went, went country. To the country. For, <laughs> um, I mean, I'm ex- like Drake does everything. Why can't Nelly? <laughs> <laughs> like he like Drake is like the ultimate culture vulture. Yeah. At this. Point. So um. That concludes our segment of the Fire Festival. Do you have any other thoughts on the Fire Festival? Um, yeah. So I agree with you everything that you said about um the Fire Festival. I liked Hulu. Um, if I had to choose two, I liked Hulu better. But I think both of them serve their purpose. It's kind of like when you think about movies and how you can give two directors um the same script, but it'll be completely different movies. I think that is what I kind of took from like the Netflix versus the Hulu one. I just, when it comes to Hulu, I just think that you cannot talk about a festival that was built on social media marketing and like the nuance of that and the detriment of that um, and not talk about that in your documentary. And so yes. um, while it was happening, while I was watching the Hulu one, that was like kind of what raised the eyebrow for me. I had just finished watching the Netflix one. I was like, they didn't talk about none of this in Netflix. And then, of course, you know, they kind of drop a bomb on you at the end. Mm. But I, I completely concur with you when it comes to Netflix. The Netflix one was more so focused on the victims. And um, even, and I like, I love the Bohemian one, but even when it shows like the, even when it shows the victims of like the people who actually attended the festival, they're quote unquote victims too but when you get a chance to see just how like evil they were as well it, it kind of made mm. like I I thought that was excellent because it made you come up with your own conclusion um for yourself like a lot of people watched it and was just like when they watched the guy and he was like peeing on um the tents and poking holes on it and um how like the girl who was like oh this is low 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 economy class most of us was like oh so they deserved it you know what I'm saying like yeah, like I was like, you guys are being dicks. So exactly. Okay. So like I that's why. I... You go ahead. Yeah, no, continue. <laughs> uh, continue. I was, I was just gonna say like the moment that I saw that I was like, oh fuck these guys. Like, it's like I was like, you're taking like, you're supposed to be going to this once in a lifetime thing, but it almost makes you feel like you want to feel sorry for them at first, mm-hmm. but then you're like, and I've seen people say like you know, these are human beings as well. I'm like, yeah, but the difference is that they have access to an amount of wealth that none of us that are viewing do. And like, like it almost where- makes you believe that they didn't really feel any financial effect from it. Like me, if I were to spend $5,000, $10,000 on a ticket, I would feel, and I didn't get a chance to go, I would feel that the financial burden from that because I don't have that type of money to be spending on that type of thing you know but for them I didn't I didn't feel that from watching those victims talk about like it was just kind of like yeah I mean just another penny in a bucket now that we lost that on but you know it's cool that we can be sit here on Netflix and talk about it now meanwhile you had like the actual Bahamians who were like hardcore like you can feel the the energy from them through the screen about how much it affected their livelihood and I thought that was really interesting with both documentaries how Netflix allowed you to have, create your own opinion of the victims, whereas Hulu made, allowed you to create your own opinion of Billy McFarlane. They weren't big on 
they weren't like the Netflix one. It was just like, oh, he's a compulsive liar. He's a compulsive liar. He's a compulsive liar. Hulu was like, no, we're going to show him to you and let him his, him basically dig himself in his own hole in, and in then allow own. you to come up with your own conclusion from that. Right. And also my my biggest final thought from it is to the critics to the critics about the critics specifically that are upset with Hulu about paying him. And I just want to go back to this point. Sometimes you really got to see the devil for himself. I completely agree. And like you have to see him and you got to hear him. Like honestly, I didn't see don't... anything unethical I didn't see anything unethical about them paying for his for an interview now it's very yeah that's it's that's what happens in the film industry if you want the licensing if you want the scoop you're going to have to pay for it now i blame him for what he did trying to pitch the two um streaming sites against each other i think it was genius yeah i think because you're trying to get a bag it's like okay it was genius let me let me let me try to get a bag and who who needs a bag more than him he needs a bag at this point (laughs) Because he's, he's gonna like have so many million and twenty eight cents, and they're not gonna forget that twenty eight cents. So like, all... like, so I mean, he needs a bag at that point. But I, I completely agree with you on that because it's you need that scoop, and you're gonna have to do whatever it takes to get it. Now, of course, they're not gonna pay that much because that's that. I don't even think. I'm sure the documentary probably cost as much, but you don't pay like that's that's a, almost a, like a indie feature film type price you don't that's ridiculous but yeah 200 <laughs> when i heard 200 I, the first thing i thought i thought about um what song is that i thought about uh gucci Mane so icy yeah when young when young jeezy says a quarter million <laughs> <laughs> i was like wait a minute now it's like uh-uh quarter million what, yeah. interview? it was definitely what, hulu documentary <laughs> I don't, uh, i'm not buying that shit I'm not buying that. Yeah, but it was a necessity. So yeah, I I think it drove home the point. I think it it actually it served just it's justice. Um, so I think I saw someone make a comment. It was like, yeah, they paid him, but he didn't say anything. And I was like, that's kind of the point. The fact that he didn't he barely said anything. It really showed how much of a sociopath he was. You sat there and you can yes. feel the energy from him that he was like a horrible human being who really pro- is lying. Everyone knows he's lying, but he probably truly believes his lies. He really truly believes that he was doing the best thing in order to make this thing happen. And that in his head, he was probably doing it for a good reason when really and truly notoriety and fame was really the basis of it. And so, yeah. And that's a, yeah, that's the obsession with fame because Bill comes from a very well-off family. So it wasn't that he didn't have money. It was the attention that he really wanted. So the obsession with, wanting to be famous and having social clout, like everybody's chasing clout. And it's kind of funny how, you know, we talk about clout chasers in the black community and we don't ever think about it from a white perspective because it's not a space that we live in. So, you don't, I didn't even think, I'm like, white folks really chasing clout? Like, yeah, but they all Come on, like, look um, at the Kardashians. We, everybody, <laughs> I mean, well, when you say it that way, you know, everybody wants to be, a, everybody wants a YouTube channel. Everybody wants a podcast. Um, no shade. <laughs> um, everybody wants to be Instagram famous. It's it's just weird. Like, but people now the internet is letting you monetize your own content, but it comes at a price because how obsessed do you become with it? 
um, and how do you balance your real life and this and social know that media your world. privacy is for is forever gone. That's it. Like yeah, that's because I don't think people are cool with that yet. I think people like think they're cool with that, but I don't think that they're really cool with that because they just see dollar signs and they're like when they talk about their brand. I'm like, what's really your brand? <laughs> like just being on Instagram. I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, so we're gonna move on to uh, Oscar nominations. Okay. Uh, Oscar nominations just came out. Um, and obviously the only thing that I'm excited about is all the black stuff that got nominated for, um, cause I don't really care about any of these other films, though. I do still want to see vice because I love Adam McKay. I'm a, I'm a huge yes. fan. have been, have been for years. Um, I hear that it's a mess, but it's a good mess. Uh, but, uh, black Panther got nominated for seven Academy Awards. It's never been a superhero movie that's been nominated for never. that many awards ever. Um, I think the closest was the Dark Knight and with Heath Ledger mm-hmm. and Bale. Um, so just to name off the the nominations, uh, best song, All the Stars with Kendrick Lamar and SZA, which I really hope wins. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a huge Kendrick Lamar fan, so to see him win a Grammy, that would just, I mean, win an Oscar, that would just be a feather in his cap for already being one of the greatest uh, rappers of a generation. Best sound editing, best production design. Shout out to Hannah uh, Beachler. Um, best uh, sound mixing, best costume design. Ruth E. Carter is the GOAT. Oh, please, <laughs> please know GOAT. it. Please know it. I'm going to say that. Please Ruth E. Carter it. is the GOAT. And if she does not win this award, I will fight. Um, if there's anything that Black Panther deserves, it's best costume design. And, Bob, and probably best production design as well. Mm-hmm. Um, best original score, which it did have one of the best scores that I've heard, especially in that competition. I don't lot. know about that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about that. I'm, um, I'm, I think I'm a little I'm comic book biased. Yeah, so, I'm, I, mean, I, I am a huge fan of Black Panther. I love the film. I am so happy to see that it's getting the likes it deserves. I think it's absolutely wonderful, especially in um, all of the, the below the line um things like costume design and production design that makes me so happy but best original music score i'm not sure about that because i am also a big huge if bill street could talk fan listen i haven't my breath i want to see it gonna gonna go see it tomorrow um i actually have a date tomorrow uh so i was trying to think of like what i was gonna do um with this young lady that i just met Mm -hmm. in montgomery um, so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and say it on the uh, podcast. I'm going to take her to go see a Bill Shriek and talk. Aww, uh, hopefully, hopefully she hasn't seen it yet because she said she goes to the movies a lot. Oh, okay. But if she hasn't, then that's obviously really Well, great. I'm going to let you know it is a, a sad film. It's a it's a film about black love, but it, it is pretty sad. So um, I mean, I'm not sure how... I, I, <laughs> I love Barry Jenkins. So okay, perfect. Like Moonlight was Moonlight was that girl. Oh, I love Moonlight <laughs> and Bill Street could talk. You can tell he's such an auteur filmmaker. You could tell it's just like he just takes it. He's taking it to a whole nother level. Like like his his work as a director could be studied. How how just beautifully crafted and well organized Nobody and, knows and meticulous lighting. and just like, oh it's just I don't know, but that has nothing to do with um, the best original music score. Um, I, th- I think it's- which I was I was gonna get into that too. <laughs> we can just go ahead and jump to if Bill Street could talk. It's nominated for three Academy Awards. Mm-hmm. 
Best Supporting Actress, Regina King. Shout outs to Regina. Um, I love Regina right now. Um, Regina was amazing in Seven Seconds, um, which if you haven't watched Seven Seconds on Netflix, I believe it's still on there, even though it was canceled. But I never understood how there could be a, a season two after Seven Seconds, season one. But if you want to talk about somebody who big eyeball cried for a, a whole season, <laughs> it was Regina. And Regina played the hell out of that role. So I was really like, I didn't even have to see a Bill Street to talk to know Regina King was going to act a plum fool in that movie and get nominated for something because I felt like she should have gotten nominated for her supporting casting role in Ray, even mm. though it was very small. She played the hell out of that role. She sure did. And anytime you go back and watch Ray, you're like, wait a minute. Regina just jumps out in that movie. And it was like that role was made for her. And she does that a lot in the movies that she's in. And I always love her for that. I also love that Barry said when he was filming at Bill Street could talk that he really listened to the women that were on set. Um, he's really big on listening to the women in his um, listening. That are, mm-hmm. Yes, listening to women and being inclusive. And I just wanted to say nobody knows lighting and black people like Barry Jenkins. Ooh, yeah. But he <laughs> works with a um he works with a cinematographer. Um that is just they you can tell they really, really mesh well together. And I think that is really really important when it comes to the director cinematographer relationship because um the cinematographer has to basically put the director's brain onto film. And I think like mm. they just they just work so cohesively together and do such a good time. I, I believe and I hope I'm not mistaken, but I believe the cinematographer for Bill Street is was the same cinematographer for um Moonlight as well. I wanna say yes. That's why I was a little upset that they didn't get um I wanna say is cinematography um a nominate is is that an award? Yeah, that's the cinematography. Yeah, yeah, and I didn't see it nominated for that, and nope. I was like, I haven't even seen the movie, but I know that the cinematography is a one. Bill Street got robbed for, and I'm and I'm I'm willing to go on record to say this: Bill Street got robbed for a about three Oscar nominations, and me and my producer for my film, we we have these conversations a lot. It got robbed because they kind of messed up when it came to distribution. It was kind of confusing. Um, they were originally supposed to come out like on the same weekend as like Creed 2 and then they pushed it back and then something else happened. They tried to push it back again. And I think that kind of messed up with like its numbers. And so I think that had like a negative effect because really and truly Barry should have been nominated for um, Best Director. It should have gotten something for cinematography and it should have been a Best Picture nom. But that's my opinion. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I completely agree. Um, I felt like it was strange that they got, because somebody was like, well, the movie came out late. And I was like, but they're nominated for three awards. Yeah. So, like, that doesn't make any sense. Um, hopefully, they'll just get what's what they're due the next year. I hope so. I hope that it's considered, because it should be. Um, next up, we got Black Klansman, uh, nominated for six Academy Awards. Um, I'm gonna let people on a little secret. I still haven't seen Black Klansman yet. It's only because I have not made time to go see it. I've, um, I've seen it. I will, <laughs> I will watch it. I've heard that it's really good. I love Spike's work. Not a single thing that I okay. Chirac is horrible, <laughs> uh, uh, but that's the only thing. Um, and she's got a habit. Is it could? I, I hope season two is better. Uh, it was good, but 
I don't know if I necessarily needed She's Gotta Have It in a season, seasonal form, in a television yeah. format. That was one of um, his earlier works, you know? I, but I, I I get why he, I why he made am, it because he wanted to redeem himself for when it first came out. Yeah. When it comes to Black Klansmen and their six nominations, I'm kind of conflicted. And I'm going to just kind of be honest here. I've seen Black Klansmen. I've seen it a couple times. Um, and I think that this is more so <laughs> retribution for not being nominated for his prior work because mm. though I mean it, it's Black Klansman is a good film I just personally would not have put it in some of the categories that it is nominated for but that's just my personal opinion I've had some some serious um issues with a lot that happened in Black Klansman. It is a it's a it's a typical spike film. Um I just kind of felt like I guess I I w- I was agreeing with the boots Riley Riley without like being just overly um brutally uh, b- brutal and big about it. Um about mm-hmm. how with Black Klansmen um not necessarily a white savior but it's a, it's a it's a film about like being able to um, code switch and things of that sort, but I felt like the story was a little bit off, and then the ending. I don't. I, I you haven't seen it, so I don't. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it sometime this week, and then we um, and then we can talk about like, it like offline. But yeah, we can talk. We can talk about it on the fly. Offline. Yeah. Because um, what I like to do before the academy is what one of my friends, uh, Kia, who's been on the podcast before, she was on last week's episode. Uh, when we covered R. Kelly, was she likes during the grant during Grammy season, she likes to go and listen to every nominated uh, every nominated album or song mm-hmm. in major categories. Um, and so for during the uh, during the Academy season, I like to go watch the other movies. Um, granted, I don't watch all of them legally, yeah. but I like to watch them um, just so I can get a feel for what these movies were. Um, this I, I will remember- say this: this film was not for black people. It was a the film's message was was for white people or the liberal um the liberal white person um mm, and it was it was sense. and because of that it really wasn't for it wasn't really nothing that we as black people could i feel that we i mean of course you can get something out of it but it wasn't for us he was speaking directly to white people with white the film yeah. and with its messages and even with its like metaphors and things of that sort and so because of that it kind of takes us out because when we're going to see a Spike Lee film it's usually a for us by us type thing right so I'm not surprised that it got these nominations because it is speaking to that crowd but mm. I would hope that Kind of like in the in the same sense of Black Panther, I'm so so happy that it was a black film about us, um, featuring us in the crew in the in the as a director, and it's got nominated for it with not without necessarily pandering to white people, but Black mm. Klansman, it was a message to it was it was a message to um, white people. It was a lot of like um, similes when it comes to Trump and things of that sort and. It's just not uh, something that, you know, we know. They don't. We know. You know? Uh, so, it sounds like it's preaching to the choir. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that was like a like, lot of amen. the issues that people had when it had with Black Klansmen when it came to that film. 
Um, but I am happy. I'm kind of just pretending that um, when he does, if if he does, well, we're going to say win because I hope Spike Lee does take home something. Uh, when he does win something, I'm just, com- I've decided that I'm saying that he won it for Malcolm X, which was completely. Oh, no. I, I, I should have won years ago for Malcolm Like, I don't even want to, we could, child, we could have a whole podcast episode about <laughs> how that got how they got robbed. Um, but just so you guys know, it is nominated for six awards. It's best film editing, best adopted screenplay, best original music score, which shout out to Terrence Blanchard, um, black musician who also composed the score for this, for this uh, movie, mm-hmm. best film director, of course, Spike Lee and best supporting actor, Adam Driver, who is, I want to say that's the guy who uh, plays in star Wars, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course, best picture. Finally, my favorite animated film of the year was nominated for Best Animated Feature, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Um, first of all, 2018, we started with Black Panther and Black History Month, and we ended with Spider-Man Into the mm-hmm. Spider-Verse. Um, both of these movies blew out the box office. Um, I do wish that Sony did a better job with promoting Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Absolutely. They could um, have, but I they don't could think have they have the it. faith in it. It's a 2D movie, you know, like they didn't. And right now we're kind of in the whole Pixar era where everything's more so 3D and 4D. And, it's, you know, like mm-hmm. I. And it, it bothered me because like they're patenting the technology that they use to make the movie. Because like it's not like anything that you've ever seen. Yeah. It looks like a comic book. Yeah. Like this is a first like ever. I think. Every every second of the movie takes a day to make. A like, week to make. Like I think I saw something like it takes like a week to make every second of the movie or something like that. Yeah, I was like, are you kidding me? Like how did like and I, I hope it wins and I think it will I think it will win best animated feature even though. Yeah, it'll definitely a- take it home. I mean the the competitions like Wreck It Ralph and Yeah, yeah I don't I don't like, competition. I, I think their biggest competition will be Isle of Dogs. Um but I think they have a, I think Spider-Verse has a very, very, very strong um, chance. And, oh my goodness, it would be so amazing to see that win. Um, I'm really, like, I'm a comic book geek uh, by nature. And so, like, seeing all of these, you know, seeing comic books come to life in the film aspect is always so great. And I've always said, like, I think like the idea that a comic book movie can't win an Academy Award is kind of silly. It is. Because if you can really create a story that humanize that that you can humanize and that can touch people from across the country and across the globe, then yes, it deserves an Academy Award if it's yeah. if it's that thing. Like, I would argue that I, feel, I felt like it could have gone for best picture. But of course, you know, we haven't progressed that far. Yeah, we haven't progressed that far for animated films. I yet, think we which... we are at a, a really good point seeing Black Panther being nominated for Best Picture. Exactly. Um, but and it'll I be some time before you see an animated film nominated for Best Picture. Um, and, and but I, it could happen. A... It was that good. Yeah, it was that. It was that good. It was moving. I cried. It was a great film, and it was Miles's movie. Like it a was... lot of people are like, "Well, there's so many other characters." I'm like, "No, this is a Miles Morales movie." I'm like. The first thing I learned within the 30 seconds of the movie, I'm like, he's black. His mother's Latino. His dad's a cop. His dad is black. His, um, he goes to this private school um, and he lives in Brooklyn. And the music 
was just amazing for the film. Like everything about the film just made sense. So really, really proud of it getting that that nomination. The nomination is enough for me, but if they win, which I really think they will, I think that's going to just I think that's going to be the highlight of the academies that night. Um so um this best picture talk with Black Panther being nominated for best picture. I just want to talk to the people who like, here's the thing. So last year, Black Panther came out and it was a phenomenon. Like 2018 was a really, was a really long, exhausting year. It almost makes it feel like Black Panther came out two years ago. Um, Cause it's, it, it took so long to get through 2018. Yeah. But um, it was ooh, child to ghetto. Uh, but I remember like when Black Panther first came out and there was all this hype and everybody was so excited and I loved every single second about the movie. Then a couple months pass and everybody's like, oh, well, the movie wasn't that great. And I'm like, wait a minute, guys. We just celebrated the shit out of this movie in February. We made it the blackest month possible, like ever. Like there's never been a movie that's ever sold that much in the month of February ever. Um, They weren't going to make an, they weren't going to make another Black Panther without Ryan Coogler because uh, he's definitely coming back, but he had to get paid. Absolutely. Um, Got to get your money. Um, and then most importantly, like, it opened up a world. It, and as far as world building goes in that one movie, like, you don't have to watch another Marvel comic book movie to, or an MCU film, rather, to watch Black Panther. You can watch it by itself, and that's it. I've heard people say that they don't really need a sequel, though they're going to get one because Marvel does everything in yeah. threes. Um, that's just how they've always done things since Blade, which a, a lot of people don't realize. That was the first Blade, movie that they ever I did. Blade. <laughs> uh, um, so it, it really set up the archetype and the foundation for how they make movies. It's always first movie's really good. Second movie's really good, really, really good. Third movie, not so much. But hey, they've gotten better at making these movies. Um, a lot of people said Infinity War should have been nominated for Best Picture, and I was just like, as much as I love Thick Daddy Thanos, um, <laughs> which I dub, I, I love Thick Daddy Thanos. Um, I don't think he was right, but he's just the best villain I've ever seen on camera, and um, it is an amazing film to watch. Like I don't take anything away from. So it. Can I, let me give you um, my opinion on that. I think that um, when it comes to Infinity War, and let me first put the disclaimer out that I am a, a Marvel fan, but I'm a moderate. Marvel fan so like <laughs> so like I've seen all of the movies um, but, but I'm a movie lover so that's the reason why I've seen all of the movies so that's I'm fair. A, when I say I'm a Marvel fan I'm a moderate I haven't, I don't, I haven't read like the comic books or anything like that um, but I have kept up with um, the whole Marvel universe um, I will say for a person who's just like coming into it Infinity War would seem all over the place and that is the reason why it wouldn't be able to be best picture because the best picture it would need to be able to stand alone and yeah and it's a movie that doesn't yeah, do that Infinity it's, War it was like it, it, Infinity War was for a, the fans it was for the fans it's the culmination of 10 years it was worth for, of filming it was for the people who's, never who was down before. from the get go you know yeah like <laughs> If you were down in 2008, this is for you. That's what that was. Like every 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 moment that's a callback to something, which is what made you so excited for Endgame, mm-hmm. um, is why you love exactly. it. Exactly. But with with Black Panther, like the one thing I loved about it was it was a standalone it was. movie. It like really was. it doesn't feel like you really have to watch anything else to watch that. I get the people have their quips about it. They have 
you know, they're they have their problems with it. It's not a perfect no. film. But what film um, is? It, what film is perfect? But what film is, and that's what bothers me. I'm like, celebrate the film because if it was to win, I don't think it's gonna win Best Picture. But if it was, if it did, if it did win Best Picture, I would literally be floored and I would be so excited for those guys because of what that movie meant to people. Exactly. And the money that, like, it made all of its money back in three Exactly. Like, I don't know. I I remember. I think I I tweeted that. Uh, a year ago, I said, if there's anybody I would trust with my refund check, it's Ryan Cooper. <laughs> like, if Ryan Cooper told me, he was, if, he, if he told me he was going to flip my refund check, <laughs> I'm definitely going to give it to him. <laughs> like, there's people who have told me, like, hey, bro, I can, I can, I can flip your taxes. I'm like, I don't know about that. But Ryan, oh, I wouldn't even be a question. Wouldn't even be a question. Uh, <laughs> so, Sadly, we're moving away from uh, from Oscar nomination. Unless you got anything else uh, to something a, a bit more um, aggravating. No, other than Bill Street was robbed. <laughs> Bill Street was robbed. That's what I'm going to end it with. Bill Street was robbed. It does. Bill Street deserves. It, it really does. It, it truly deserves. And I still haven't even seen it yet. But I trust Barry Jenkins with anything that he you puts his that. hands on. He's a phenomenal director. Phenomenal. I would and love the to play, I would too. And the film literally takes. It, yes, it's sad, but if you just look at the the elements of black love in it, it literally takes your breath away. The way he directs directs those scenes, and like mm. you can really feel the chemistry between the two people. And it's just. It's beautiful, Regina. She did amazing in it. Ugh, I just, I, I can, I can stand for it forever. But yeah, that's my ending for that. Bill Street was robbed. Can't wait. So um, next up, we got um, Gina Rodriguez. Mm. So um, I'm gonna let you guys, I'm gonna let you guys know right now. This was like my first interaction with Gina Rodriguez. <laughs> I really don't watch Jane the Virgin. Um, I actually had to text one of my friends, um, um, a lot, one of my Latinx friends who actually does watch Jane the Virgin or did at one point in time. Um, and even she doesn't like her that much. So I was like, oh, wow. I was like, when your own people don't rock with you. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a clear sign that you might not be, you know, might not be for the people. So uh, Gina Rodriguez has been getting into, been catching a lot of flack mm-hmm. lately. Um, for her quote-unquote anti-black comments. I've seen a bunch of the comments, and they're very anti-black. Um, so she recently went on Sway's, Sway's Universe, which is Sway in the Morning, old Sway in the Morning, whatever. We're going to talk um, about that part, so we don't we don't. <laughs> and, um, you know, she started crying and talking about that's not what she meant, and, you know, obviously she supports her. Um, she supports her Afro-Latinx community, and she re- supports... Uh, black women in these circles and wants to talk about intersectionality sounds all good and then she says her dad is an afro-latino and he's dark-skinned and then in classic black internet (laughs) fashion somebody does google somebody finds a picture and the i really feel like the internet was not made (laughs) because when i tell you this is something that they should have never given us. <laughs> like, 
it's a holy place, and then we just come on there and just do whatever, and it just goes from sugar to sweet shit in about two seconds. But this was glorious because I was like, "Dark skin, where?" Like, but, I'm before we even get into that part, let, let's go into like the preliminaries of it all. I yes, please. So, so educate me on Gina. Edu- educate me on Gina. <laughs> well, with, with Gina Rodriguez, and though I, I'm not, a, I've seen some of her work. Um, I'm not. I don't. I'm not a huge fan of Jane the Virgin. I've never watched it. Um, I've probably seen maybe a couple episodes, but there was a build up to this. It was. Um, it was like one interview here where she would she would hit us with an all women like someone would say something specifically to black women and then she would be like for all women and kind of like hush them and then it was like maybe two more interviews that came out where she kind of did the same thing but it was like more vocal and um she says i the i think the next one was like her latino um people they get um pay even less than African Americans. And so with that build up, it was it was bound to burst. So you had your little mm-hmm. your little slide comments here and there. Then you kind of came all the way out with it. And then you um and then you what you did was what it seems like all people, um, Caucasian people and um non-black people of color do, they look for a co-signer to go to them and play the do the victim card, uh, which is so mm. interesting because we as Black people, we're always blamed for playing the victim. We're always chastised saying we're, we play the victim card, we play the race card, but nobody put, does it better than than they do. <laughs> and so I thought, I thought yes. it was really, really interesting because she went to Sway to do this interview because she saw this buildup happening and she saw like that this bur- this bubble was about to burst. And instead of trying to like mitigate it, she basically made it burst faster. And you went to Sway, and Sway has already been in to like basically kind of get a cosign. So Sway was already in kind of hot water when it comes to like, um, um, especially the Black women community, because I think he had like a rapper on his show once, and the rapper was trying to say um, that about having like love for Black women, and then Sway was like, "No, you have love for all women," and the the guy was like, "Black women." He was like, "All women," and so he was like, "Okay, all women," just to kind of like get it over. And so I remember Sway being on fire for that, and I just thought that was really really interesting that once like. Once people are called out for anti-blackness, they go to certain parties in order to get a co-signer. Just like with the girl who who really wanted to be in Cardi B and um, Cardi B and um, Miami and the city girls, yeah, city girls oh, yeah, video, and, my, and then like she was she was, she was getting heat, she was getting heat, and then I guess she couldn't take it no more, so then she like added her homeboy band who's like a black dude and he didn't co-sign her of course but oh he, like, yeah she was so looking for him you... to co-sign saying that she should have been <laughs> in the video too and i just thought that was interesting and van didn't say not a word yeah i thought van, that was interesting and I, his black ass mouth shut. yeah i thought that was interesting and i wish that they would stop that part like if you if you're going to be anti-black standing your anti-blackness alone don't reach out for a black co-signer thinking that that's going to smooth it over because what that's not going to happen if you haven't learned anything from black twitter what's going to end up happening is not only will you get dragged but they're going to get dragged too for co-signing you yeah so or they've already been dragged before yeah and so you're going to a person that we've already dragged for being anti-black so it's like why would if you could go to 
my own, my biggest thing about this is instead of going to somebody to coddle you, why don't you go to the people who question you about Absolutely. your anti-black and try to learn why you're being anti-black and not because my problem with this is one of my biggest problems with allies. I usually say that I don't call I usually say that ally is a verb. It's not a noun. Uh, because it's done through action. And one of the biggest actions that you can do when you're an ally is listen. Absolutely. Like me like like me being a black cis hetero man, uh, I know for a fact that like we don't got it really good right now in the black community. <laughs> like with black women. Like um, and we have to do better. And I tell myself that all the time. It took me a long time to get Now, to I'll give point. you that. I didn't say that they usually run to y'all, but I, 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 I left them the blow. No, they didn't. I left no, them they, the blow they, a little they bit. No, <laughs> nah, they, no, they, they, they run to us. Because, like, what's funny about Van is, like, I, I'm a big fan of Van's podcast. I got a chance to meet Van last year at the NAACP convention. Such a nice guy. Gave me his phone number. Was, like, super, super nice. Um... And I've never even bothered to call him or text him just because I feel like he's such a busy person. He would never have time for me. But I always find it interesting that they always try to turn to us. And then, like, there are always foolish black. Like, she turned to Van originally. He didn't say nothing. And so she went to another black guy, thought his comment, and then retweeted it or screenshot it and posted it. You just like, look-, look at this black man, you know, saying that it's all right for me to be mad that wasn't no white women exactly. in the video. I'm like, then if you also just look at like read the threads and look at the 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 black men who are like co-signing it in the comment section. Like so I just saw so many like black men that's just like you you're beautiful, you can twerk, yada yada yada. They should have had you in there. And we were just everybody was just like really like why can't we just have something? Why can't we have something for ourselves? This was supposed to be a celebration of, of us. And and it was a competition. Did you compete? Look, like I I can exactly. <laughs> my twerking skills is relative. You ain't. I could. I it's knew relative. I wasn't gonna be. Able to, <laughs> I knew I wasn't gonna be able to compete. <laughs> was gonna be able to compete. Um, because it might take me a couple wines to be able to um to twerk as well as the people twerk. I knew I wasn't gonna be able to make it in that video. You don't see me argue about it. So like. What did you compete? Did you go and try to be a part of it? No, you didn't. Yeah, like you, like don't be mad. Like what? Who? Some uh, someone once said, you know, stop hate from outside the club if you can't get in. <laughs> like if you can't, and then the thing that made it worse was she had all them, all them. She had all these quote unquote twerking videos, and like the music wasn't conducive to twerking. <laughs> so, like. I know when I hear a city girl's bop, <laughs> the first thing I think about is, well, okay, this sounds like a bop that you can shake your ass to. First off, and also, I've also now I understand why women love shaking their ass <laughs> together as a it's group. It's therapeutic. The shit therapeutic, <laughs> right? When you're having a bad day, shake your ass. It's okay. And I probably, like, that video is beautiful. <laughs> it is absolutely gorgeous. And the thing about it is everybody was comparing it to like the tip drill video and stuff like but that. But it reminds me of, of the old like um Two Live Crew and that's, Uncle Luke. That's what I thought about. I thought about Two Live Crew and Uncle Luke. I didn't really think of tip drill. No, I didn't think of tip drill I tell people all. compare it because, you know, they both got ass shaking in it. And I can understand yeah. that. Why they I was looking compare. for the man with a saxophone on the little island. Like that's that's what it reminds me. <laughs> 
But what I will say is the one thing I loved about it most, ain't no niggas in the video. Ain't no niggas in the video. Like, there are no men. Amongst ourselves, you know, like. And and I can just watch and be like, you know what? This is great. (laughs) That's, like, you know what it made me think of? I was like, this must be what it's like to, like, see black women dance in the mirror in their room because they look so free. Never see, never see women dance so free. It was, it was beautiful to watch. But um, as far as like homegirl goes, like I, I, I was gonna add that story onto this. <laughs> I list. just thought that was a good segue. <laughs> I just left it alone. I it was a good segue I, into Gina Rodriguez because they both did the same thing. My bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, they did. Like they really did, and I, I'm sick of it. So um, next we got, so Nick Cannon was became an like one decided to be an asshole. Mm-hmm. Um. An innovative asshole, as as I guess as he likes to think of it. Um, so he came out with this app that is pronounced consent, and it's an acronym for consensual. It's called CNCNT, which is pronounced consent, but it's for consensual, contractual, and tested. Um, Cannon explains to aid garnering consent of both parties before sex. Cannon initially states that the app is to protect women, but as the video continues, it becomes clear that the app will effectively protect sexual assaulters. Mm-hmm. Although the app is still in production, Cannon, Cannon gave a cursory rundown of the app, which essentially looks like a contract where both parties push a button indicating that they understand the other's sexual history, STI status, level of intoxication, pushing the button, both parties consent to whatever happens next. It's protecting, it's quote, protecting yourself the same way that you would put on a con- putting on a condom. Um, I'm going to push this button on my phone. You push this button on your phone and snaps. It's consensual. Um, so first of all, this is like the most problematic shit I think I've ever seen in Absolutely. my life. Um, because I'm just going to let listeners in on a little secret. Um, consent can be given and taken away at it's any revocable. point in time. It like it is automatically revocable at any point in time during a sexual encounter, and the moment that somebody says no, it's over. Absolutely, um, and, and then also you, you're completing. The, you're no. you're also forgetting a whole segment of consent. Um, people forget about coercion and how oh, and where God, that falls yes. um, under the under you know the discussion when we're talking about consent. And I mean, you can easily go to the extreme and say, well, what about the people who? Um, hold a gun to their head and make them do the app but you don't even have to like go that deep into it like if you are trying to convince if i'm not enthusiastically enthusiastically wanting to have sex with you if i'm if you are sitting here trying to coerce me into having sex with you that's not consent (laughs) that's not yeah (laughs) so i'm like me signing that under like that completely devoids that because I, I that isn't consent you you you're trying to coerce me into doing something that I do not want to do, so like it's, point blank period is wrong like it's wrong it doesn't it doesn't solve the issues of it doesn't solve the issues of the intricacies when it comes to to consent and like he I I I don't know if he had his uh, a good heart where he was trying to do this i think that i think that <laughs> I, I have no idea right. but the, think, more, you know, the more that he talked during the interview i was just like this just sounds like something so you can check a woman's body count basically. and like and it was just trash like first of all 
if you are over the age of 25 and you still care about body count, you're an idiot. Um, if you're over the age of 18 and you still care about body count, you're an idiot. Um, it seems like people care more about body count than they actually do about ST, like STIs and STDs. Um, like it's like it's health. The the number of sexual partners that you had does not determine the quality of the sex, ladies and gentlemen. It doesn't. It really doesn't. Half y'all, half y'all niggas don't know how to use y'all dicks anyway. <laughs> but we're not that conversation. Um, but it's just it. Consent cannot be put into an app form, okay? It can't. Um, it's not an NDA. You're not Drake. Like, when a woman comes to your house and you've had her talk to, like, several several different different friends before he sent you a DM and then he comes to your house and you sign your NDA and you can't say what happened, this is not one of those things. And I believe in non-disclosure agreements. <laughs> I really do. Because sometimes some things you got to take to the grave. However... <laughs> However, this is not one of those things. And like, this just kind of like, this is something that I don't want technology to be a part of. Like, I'm a big fan of technology, but this is not. It's going to be more harmful in the, if say for instance, it does come out and it does become a big thing. It's going to become more harmful. And, and I'm talking. Imagine this being in a court. Exactly. Exactly. Oh my God. And basically, like somebody it's going to cause more victim blaming. It's going to it's going to cause so much more detriment than it is going to solve the issue. Because it's still, I mean, still you are as well because men can be raped too. But still, like the person who's looking for the power versus looking for con- the control when it comes to rape, they're going to be mm-hmm. willing to do anything in order to like maintain that power and that control. So, like, it's it's only going to fuel more power to them. So, and that's right. the that's the issue that I have with it. I don't think it was genuinely made. I don't think it was. I don't think it's it was made with the victims with victims being in mind. And that's the issue. No, yeah, it, it really wasn't, and I completely agree. And that actually kind of segues into my next topic, which is uh, the Chris Brown situation. Um, so Chris Brown was detained on Monday by police in Paris after a woman was accused him of rape. And he is planning to sue this woman now, according to attorney uh, Raphael Chichiche mm-hmm. uh, spelling. Um, shortly after Brown 29, which, who Jesus, 29, um, was released Tuesday night without charges from uh, the prosecutor's office. Um, the attorney announced that he is preparing to sue the woman for making claims against the singer. Mm-hmm. Um, he is free. No lawsuits were filed against him. Um, he is aggressively challenging these charges against him. A complaint of slanderous denunciation will be filed tomorrow with public prosec- with the public prosecutor in Paris. Now, here's one thing. Like, false accusations is always a very touchy subject mm-hmm. for me. Um, it's a subject that I've even come to, like, arguments and standstills with male friends that I've had mm-hmm. um, and that I still have because I understand the history of false accusations, especially in the black community, especially when it comes to black men, because so many black men um, bammed up and imprisoned and are in prison right now for false accusations. Um, so with that being said, um, the one thing that I've always noticed about false accusations and I tell people this all the time 
false accusations are always publicized more than actual rapes and sexual assault. Let's go. It's done on, and it's done on purpose by the media to make it seem like false accusations are really happening all the time. But just well, it's from literally a like less than one percent, less than one percent. Um, I did some digging because I posted a thread about this yesterday, and I just wanted to, you know, just give people insight on it. And I said, you know, so over, for the past 20 years, two to 10 percent of rape ac- accusations are proven to be fake. All right. Um, the figures do not include any unstamped, uh, unsubstantiated accusations where an investigation was unable to prove a sexual assault occurred. So an accurate figure for total remains unknown. Mm-hmm. Other studies have figures in the same range. The FBI has put the number of unfounded rapes, those determined to be false after accusation at 8%. So nine. So if you're looking at 92% <laughs> are actual rapes and eight of, and 8% are unfounded. And the crazy thing about this is that I also wanted to bring up is that um, only 35% of rapes get, rapes and sexual assaults get reported. So that number could even look much smaller and significant if we actually had a justice system that protected women when they were sexually assaulted and them. actually went after their accusers um, the way that we properly should. We wouldn't have um, a rapist in the Supreme Court oh. justice position right now. We actually did what we were supposed to do. Um, I still feel like it's a tainted seat. I'll, I don't care what anybody says. I feel like he should be fired. I don't feel like anybody should be put into a lifetime position that has a past of sexual assault. Um, and it was literally an attack on women and a big fuck you to women mm-hmm. to put it. And it still makes me angry to this day that he is still in that position. So, I, and I, I tell, I tell people this all the time. It's like, they purposely put these, these fake, these false accusations on the media, on CNN, on Fox news and all these other things. And as you see with, the Covington Catholic students mm-hmm. now. Um, you see how whiteness works and they're getting interviews and things of that nature to humanize these boys. And we saw during Kavanaugh's case how it was it could be your sons. And now we're seeing that again. And when, I, when false accusations come up, that's always something that I think about. And it's really funny that that happened, that I speak of Covington because in one of their 18-year-old uh, athletes was actually accused of rape not too long ago. Um, that school is just a cesspool of mess. Um, I don't want to give it any more attention than it doesn't deserve, personally, um, just because um, fuck them kids. <laughs> uh, fuck every single one of them. I wish yeah. I could punch them in the fucking Those face. Kids, I, I don't care that they're mine. horrible human beings as adults because no That are going to be their... lawyers, doctors. Yeah, they're not checking them now. Business owners. They're not, not even yeah. now because it's too late now. Those kids are like, what, high school? Checking them. They're in high school. Having maybe not even having family members who are who instilled that type of um who instilled those type of messages into the that those children because it's horrible. And that I mean they are they are gonna grow up to be our doctors, they're gonna probably be our president and those lows and keys, like <laughs> the way this thing is going. So yeah, but um I just want people to understand, and I want you to talk about this a little bit too as well, is that when we're talking about false accusations, because yes, if Chris Brown has been falsely accused of this, nobody, nobody's saying that this woman should not be persecuted to the highest extent. 
the problem becomes is that when I see people go 110% on women that falsely accuse people of rape, instead of giving keeping the same energy when people are actually sexually assaulted, that bothers me. Like, on a level that I can't even really even fathom, that people can't fathom and, and, and I can't explain, because it's like, what's worse? Ruining a, ruining a person's reputation or actually a person dealing with the trauma of being sexually assaulted for the rest of their life. Because being a man in society, trust me, yes, that'll follow you around for a little while, but people still get work. Ask Harvey Weinstein uh, up until now with him being, with him being, with him being <laughs> charged and him being, and him being in court. And look at R. Kelly. It eventually catches up with you, which we're going to get to that, that rapist motherfucker in about a few minutes. <laughs> but, um, I just want people to really wrap their mind around that. And like, I want to think about what. Oh, yeah, no, I'm, I didn't mean to cut you off at all. Um, but I was just going to pick you no, no, you're good. what you just said. I want people and I'm not necessarily talking about the Chris Brown case um, specifically because um, I didn't read much about it. I just refused to give Chris Brown any of my attention whatsoever. Um, but I've seen when it comes to like things like this, um, I see people use due process as like the catch all term, like the catch term, like we need to give them due process, we need to give them due process. And I think that people are one, they're using they're using those terms wrong because just the same as you feel like uh the person who is being accused um of like these heinous crimes should get due process. The victim should also get due process as well. Like, the victim deserves due process just as much as you feel like the person who allegedly committed these crimes should, too. And I think that is the part that people forget, that victims deserve due process, what victims deserve to to be believed and go, and go through it, too. And then also, people forget due process is what, a legal term? Like, and we're talking about legalities here. Didn't um the um what's his name the guy who had killed Trayvon Martin he got due process and he was like you know yeah. what I'm saying like all of these cops are getting like it's that's it, due process is um is a thing that you know is unfair and yada 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 when it comes to seeing our 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 black boys our our black little girls being killed but but when it comes to like women then then it's used as a term in order to like shut people up. And I, I, that's something I just will not get down with. I cannot stand it. I hate that people do that. And my heart will always go to the, to the victims. I think it was, um, what's his name? Freddie Gibbs. I think he was like allegedly. Oh yeah. 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 We talked about that last yeah, time. He was Freddie Gibbs accused of rape. Uh, was accused, was actually falsely accused. And even he said, believe like, women. I don't care that I was false. like, believe women. Like, Y'all niggas doing too much. Y'all touching these women when they don't want to be touched in the club. Like y'all being fucking weirdos on the internet. Chill with exactly. Shit. Like, chill the fuck out. Like, it's not that hard. Like, I I really think I really hate when men say like we're the logical sex because they take what these women say on the internet to heart so seriously. Yeah. Uh, but I also do tell them to listen to these women when they're saying that they're serious. Like they're not playing with you. Like. A lot of them about to start shooting y'all stupid asses if y'all don't like actually listen to them. And I'm not going to be mad at them about it. Um, but my thoughts on it is just simply 
believe women when they tell you something and also wait for due process. Like there's a, and there's a new, there's nuance in this conversation because yes, everybody should be afforded due process. But if Chris Brown, if Chris Brown was guilty, he deserves the same type of energy. If he was innocent, like, I don't pay attention to Chris Brown for nothing. Like, for real, for real. Guy's been trashed for a while, and I don't want to listen to an album with 60 songs on it that sound exactly <laughs> the same. Not my forte. I don't care about it. If you think it's good, cute for you. But that's not my ministry. However, if he is innocent, the woman deserves to be prosecuted at the highest extent. But when I see people saying that they should get as many years as a person with that actually is uh, that actually does rape somebody. I'm like, look, y'all, y'all doing a lot. Yes, lying on people is wrong, but y'all doing a hell of a whole lot for a person that you don't even know whether they told the truth, whether they're lying or whether they told the truth or not. And when you don't go that hard for somebody who's actually getting raped and sexually assaulted, it's very telling. And it's always, it's almost it always is black women that aren't yep. believed. Um, and it shows, it goes and, back to the power thing. Yeah. Uh, and leading right into speaking of uh, black women, um, Sony has reportedly dropped R. Kelly yes. um, after its former intern alleged abuse. Um, ab- they have bowed out after pressure uh, from activists on, fr- from, on last Friday um, when the company and its label dropped him two weeks after a disturbing documentary called uh, Renewed Attention to the Singer's Long History of Alleged Abuse. He's also... Uh, I want to say the cops in Atlanta or Chicago have like uh, blocked him from like using some recording studios as well that he was using. And I, they may be the ones with like bedrooms mm-hmm. that they talked about on the document. Um, so I really feel like it's coming to a close. I don't know how long it's going to take for them to put that, to put that uh, rapist motherfucker in jail, but I can't wait. Uh, personally, I really can't wait. I, I get excited every time I think about it. Um, because he deserves it. Uh, we've now been covering this story for, uh, you know, updates on this story now for three weeks on the podcast. And, um, well, two weeks rather. And it's just been, it's, it's, it's like you don't want to give it attention, but at the same time, when a new positive comes from the story, it's great. But also you hear other women coming forward and telling their stories, and that's great as well. Um, I have still feelings about the documentary because, like, I don't want to blame parents, but at the same time, I'm just like, if all of these accusations were out there, how did you not know? But also at the same time, anybody can be manipulated. There was a grown ass woman on there who quit her job to go live with R. Kelly at 32. And I was like, sis, I don't know what the hell you're doing. But um, <laughs> it didn't make any lick of sense. But when people are fanatics, I think people don't think about that. When people are fanatics of someone, like fan is really just mm-hmm. fanatic. When people are obsessed with someone or something they will do anything and everything to get as much access to it as possible so it is very much believable for those parents to be in those situations mm-hmm. um but i do i did get upset but um i still love the documentary for what it was because i know you were talking about how much you love documentaries yeah. as well um, like i never got a chance to ask you how you felt about the r kelly documentary um it was a lie it's almost something where it's like how can you say you like it because you just feel so so much like I I won't I can't say I liked it it wasn't something that I was entertained by it was something that really made me want to just go into action like I I will say though that 
you know, and there's a lot of like nuanced um, discussions happening um, about the documentary regarding like the producers and things of that sort. But I will say if out outside of all of that, it was effective. I had a conversation with my mother and my aunt, hardcore die hard R. Kelly fans. They are of that generation that cannot seem to let R. Kelly go. And both of them were just like, I am done. And that means the documentary served its purpose. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because I mean, when I tell you they they were still going to the concerts probably like, like last year type, you know? And for them oh to, my God. to see they, you know, they realized just how much um they turned a blind eye to certain things. They like, they real like they were able to like really feel for these these people who were affected by them. And like, you know, my mother, she has two daughters. She's, it's me and my sister. And like she when she saw the the parent who was going into the hotel, she saw herself in that because she knows she would have done the same thing probably even right gone crazier <laughs> she from south carolina so <laughs> like so um i think that means it was effective because for it to have changed the mindset of those but then you have people who are just refusing to watch it or just completely refusing to to understand like the message in it because they're like watching it and they're finding other place other places to place the blame other than r kelly yes the parents deserve some of those points, especially the parents who were like looking for, um, looking just for like a way out or trying to like, you know, use their daughter could sing. They thought it was going to be an opportunity, things of that sort. Those parents can take right. some blame. However, at the end of the day, the villain is R. Kelly and everybody recognizes that. And you can, it doesn't have to be a one or the other. People can, you can say this person, um, this person should take some blame into in this as well it's okay like that's that's what like these discussions are for but if you just completely dismiss the villain and continue to say you're going to support the villain here just because of um the 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 stories you heard about like the parents and things of that sort then you you are you're just a you're just as an enabler as everyone else like you're just as at fault you're you're the you are as at at fault, I'm, I'm all mixed up. You are at fault just as everyone else because this is a system. It's a system that protects these people. And you are a part of that system if you continue to support this. So Exactly. I, I amen with everything you just said. Um, it's to see what's happening to R. Kelly now is like really, really great to see um, Black women be heard. Um, yeah. Like, if just a, and this is all it's not just a shameless plug but i've dedicated black history month to black women on the reading while black podcast which will be reading at the dark end of the street by danielle mcguire um it focuses on black uh black women rape and resistance um it talks about some of the uh, most heinous um sexual assaults during the 50s and the during the 40s 50s and the 60s and how these women stood trial on Jim Crow and during the era of Jim Crow on white male juries and their assaulters went to jail um, for life. And some of these women are still living like Betty Jean Owens. And I picked, I found out about this book in October. And then when the R Kelly um, and I said, I wanted to read it for my two year anniversary. And I didn't even realize that the R Kelly documentary was coming out in January. 
So when I was watching the documentary and I was seeing all like seeing this constant um, reminder that black women aren't listened mm-hmm. to, I felt like it was only more than right to dedicate um, an entire Black History Month for my podcast and my book club to black women so that they can be heard and that these stories can be read because a lot of them are unknown. Um, you graduated from FAMU and I just want to ask you, did you know who Betty Jean Owens was? I had no was? idea. Betty Jean Owens is, for those who do not know, and I'll talk about this on the Reading While Black podcast, but she is a graduate of FAMU. Um, and back in 1959, she was raped by four white white men. The next day after she was raped and the school found out, the entire student body marched on her behalf, left class, and activated behind her and to protect her. Um they still have the photo from the FAMU in the newspaper at Florida mm-hmm. A&M, and you can find it there. Um, Betty Jean Owens does not have a statue at FAMU. She doesn't have a building named after her or anything like that. I think she should, um, personally. And Betty Jean Owens is still alive, ladies mm-hmm. and gentlemen. Um, her grandson, who I'll actually be interviewing um, after the book is read at the end of February, had no idea that his grandmother was Betty Jean Owens until his freshman year at FAMU taking African-American studies, where his teacher told the story of Betty Jean Owens. He went home and told his grandmother about it, and she broke down into tears and told him that that was her. So for her to still be living today with that grief, and the thing that's beautiful about this is those four white men who raped her were the first four white men in the era of Jim Crow and in U.S. history to ever be sentenced to life in prison for raping a black woman. That had never happened before. Um, So in seeing what's happening to these women and what continues to happen to some of the women that he still has captive, um, I pray that they are freed. I I pray that they leave on their own cognizance. Um, I really do. Um, And I pray that they put him in jail. I, I want them to put him in a jail and then to make another jail and put it on top of that jail. Um, Like, I don't want to see his face again. Um, Happy people does not make me happy. Um, I don't care about stepping the name of love. Um, And when I think about songs now and know that they're connected to his to exactly. his victims, what will make it, you even disgusting. want to continue to support that? You know that the music was literally about about the crimes that he like. Was you are not alone. And, you, and even if you say, "Okay, well, stepping in the name of love" um, isn't about um, the crimes we committed. Well, it was. It showed in the documentary how he deliberately had released that song, Happy People, stuff like that, in order to sway public opinions about him because he saw that the water was getting hot. So what would make you exactly. want to support this man? What? Yeah. It's, it's, we are literally in the middle of a Boondocks episode, and it's crazy to me. In a real-life boom. Like, please come back here, Magruder. <laughs> I say it as much Only time as please. Only come... right here, though. Please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that um he's actually i want to say that him and someone else are making weren't they wasn't there a rumor flying around on that they were making a show on amazon basically um the reparations and it was in the form of like four or five southern states like mississippi alabama florida, florida. this was like I a couple of years ago years ago yeah 
and I think that it's still in development. I don't know if they're still writing it or if it's still in the de- in development. But I know I said when it comes out, I've never watched the show, but I have on Amazon. But I have Amazon Prime. It will get all the streams. <laughs> <laughs> I might like, black folks get all the southern states. Based, I I don't think we got New Orleans, and I was a little salty about that. I'm like, I feel like we should get New. I feel like we should get Louisiana. I feel like that should be part of the deal. Um, we should get Georgia, Florida. Georgia, yeah, like Florida, if we just Mississippi, that piece, like Georgia, Florida, Mississippi, um, Mississippi, Am. Alabama, Louisiana. Like I, I'd be happy with that. Will yeah. I? Yeah, <laughs> I won't South Carolina too because I know, like, I, you know, like the the Beaufort County, Charleston. I, 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 I we can get South South Carolina could be enough. Yeah, uh, low key, but low just, key give us, just give us that little strip. Just give us that strip. Tennessee and maybe about. We don't need Tennessee. Tennessee. We don't have to have Tennessee. If if you don't have if you don't have Tennessee, you don't get eight ball of MJG. So ah, you're right. We need, we need them. Oh yeah, we need Memphis. We need Memphis and Memphis. We need Memphis. You need Memphis. Plus they got really good barbecue. We don't Memphis. need Kentucky. Uh, we'll need them. Don't need Kentucky. I ain't never been there. Whack. Uh, <laughs> I ain't never been there. I don't even know. Um, we uh, is Missouri a southern state? Because I really don't consider it's it not southern. southern. It's like, considered Midwest. Okay, well, I'm good I with think, it. Thank yeah, you. Because it's Thanks, Missouri, St. Louis, Missouri. Yeah, they're Midwest. Yeah, that's Midwest. Um, I don't consider that Southern. But, nah, if you give me Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, <laughs> Tennessee, Alabama. Alabama, Louisiana. Mississippi. you can't skip around. They need to be clear. You can't skip around. Want, and it, want, it, want, Louisiana, yeah, sir, I'm good. To get through. <laughs> and I would build a wall around all those states. Because <laughs> I don't want you to come in. At all, <laughs> like I would definitely build a wall. I'd, I'd most like to keep white people out absolutely, because I don't want y'all crossing in just because y'all won't season it. Like, no, you can't. No, no. Um. Um. So, uh, last topic. Uh, speaking of people who are being canceled, um, this is a very interesting conversation I wanted to have. So, Chris and Michelle. Who, is still one of my favorite or like one of my favorite singers um as a you know former choir boy um i appreciate it yeah. chris chris and michelle has probably one of is a uniquely gifted singer and vocalist um but as you know back in 2016 she is she decided to sing at a post not inauguration party uh her fans that she did that she does have the little that she has warned her to not mm-hmm. do so she did it way uh and now like her shows are barely anybody showing up i've seen i saw the photos of uh on the article uh and like there was maybe even five people in that yeah. theater that went to go thing. um and i think what's really interesting about this conversation is that it's really it's it's i feel like people the only people who get canceled are black women mm, uh now I preference that was saying, Chrisette was given many chances not she to. She was. Everyone and from her husband right. down to the little Twitter, us on Twitter, tried to warn her against it. Even um, yeah, Quest, this, this like Quest Love and Spike Lee was like, if this is a money issue, can, you know, like we'll they were you. all trying to persuade her not to. Not to make this mm-hmm. mistake. And the one thing that I've looked at when I think about this conversation is that. I think about the times where we say people are canceled. Um, 
and I've actually seen Michael, uh, Dr. Michael Eric Dyson talking about cancel culture uh, recently. I will say that his conversation is a bit, um, I think he's looking at the word cancel itself and, and, just, and, it, and the defi- and he's taking the definition at literal and he's not understanding like the culture aspect of it. I think that's a, just a generational yeah, gap. For I him. want people to understand but, that cancel means I personally am not going to support this person anymore. When someone says, oh, they're canceled, that means me, the person who's saying that they're canceled, am not supporting whatever it is that they're canceling anymore. So when you're and saying I'm not cancel you, culture and trying to make it this thing where it's like a detriment to our our um our community, no. Yes, will you see some impact from it if a lot of people cancel you? Like, uh, we're hoping a lot of people cancel R. Kelly, then yeah, you will see some impact on it. But I don't think it, it's this thing that people are trying to make it out to be like this menacing thing where anybody can get, like, you know, anybody can get it and, and you better watch yeah, out. I don't, that wolf. no, like, you did something I do not, I no longer want to financially support. And it is my right as a person who has the, the purse, who has the coin, to not support the things that I do not align with. Exactly. Yeah, like it, it's that's pretty much where I'm at with it. It's more so of a thing where, like, when I say someone's canceled, it, I'm not telling everybody else to go out there and cancel this person. I'm letting you know that I myself, as an individual, am not going to support this person anymore for X, Y, Z reasons. This is why I feel that I don't need this person. This person is not necessary in my life to be that big of a deal. I don't take celebrity standing like that serious. Um, the only person that I really stand for is Steve Rogers um, because Captain America is perfect. Um, and he is Beyonce, but okay. <laughs> and, and, so is, and so is Beyonce. He's the only white man that I love and acknowledge. Um, he's my Tom Hanks. Okay. He, he is my Tom Hanks. Um, and Beyonce too. But for that matter, like it's, it's just with Chrisette, it's, it's one thing to be warned. And I also think about Erica uh, Badu because she's now been in the headlines recently because she's been booed at her shows and she's like I'm gonna love a person regardless and I'm like girl you've already been in hot water before for the stuff that you said but it's not surprising to me that these people from this old guard as you said before when people come from an old guard and there's a big generational gap they're more susceptible to support these people as we know there were no no musicians that came out to talk about R. Kelly except John yep. Legend like and he didn't even want to be applauded for that. He was like, I feel like it should just be something that everybody should want to do, which I completely commend him for. And I and I even though he doesn't want the applause like he deserves it because nobody else st- stood up to say nope. anything. And when we're talking about people like this, like when you I know Quest Love, for example, the only reason he didn't want to do it is because they were asking him to talk about R. Kelly, the musician, and he just didn't want to talk about it. He was like, I don't care that the guy's a genius, the dude's a rapist, Um, which I understand. But with Chrisette, I always wonder, like, is there a chance for, like, is there a chance to be redeemed? And I think this also makes me think about Gina Rodriguez. I feel like 
if you want to be redeemed, you got to listen to the people that can't. Exactly. Canceled. And I think that's you the listen. issue here. There, okay, so that's my, this is my issue with when it comes to Chrisette and Gina. There isn't any accountability. And yes, I, oh, I completely agree with you it. when it comes to like um, um, black women being canceled at a far more faster rate than a black man. I completely understand that. And that that is true. That can be simultaneously true with the fact that they also the, she does not have has not taken accountability for what she did. I read that article, and after I read it the first time, I was like, "This felt like a PR move." I still don't like. I I know now that she's been suffering and that she suffered and that she's taken a financial hit, but I still didn't feel the the sympathy i still didn't feel the uh, apology coming from that you know like and that's the mm. issue when it comes like all gina had to do was say i didn't understand that what i was saying was anti-black i am now being educated on it and i apologize to anybody that i hurt and when you walk in the actions from from that for orange supporting black women so that you can really show that you really grew from that chrisette all she had to do she she doubled down on it like it was like she yeah. kept doing that again. She went on. She went on Breakfast Club. Yeah, and, and then you get on the um, and you get to oh, I had talked about that box, box skirt. skirt. Like no, like no, like you you can't double down on it. Like and then now that we're talking, what that that happened in 2016, 2017, and we're here in 2019, and now it's we're supposed to feel the sympathy because you can't live the lifestyle that you used to live because you alienated your supporters. That's something you just gonna have to deal with. She should she needs to own accountability and then try to scrape up the pieces from there. Like say, you know, I didn't realize yeah. how how much this was gonna affect my and you probably don't think my apology is genuine because people won't think it's genuine. But have a genuine apology where you say you didn't realize just how much and or just double down the fact that you wanted to check. They were paying right. $75,000 yeah, and, and and according to the article. Yeah, and if you needed a check, then I completely understand it. Yeah, it's just, say that. Say it, though. Say it. Don't don't try to get the gotta whole um, kumbaya, we are one. I was trying to bridge the gap. No. No. And you see, like, she... Many people, have, many people have tried to bridge that gap, and that bridge has been burned no. every single time. So it's not about bridging the gap. And the other thing that I will say is, I agree with everything that you said, and I'm going to add in one more point. As the people who are the cancelers, for people who are genuinely trying to make amends, we have to make room for them to bring them back into the circle. Yeah. Um, there has to be room that's made. Kia has spoke on this, spoke, spoken about this before. The one thing that we don't do is that we don't make room for these people to grow. We don't make room for these people to evolve. We don't make room for these people to learn. We just cancel them and then that's it. And if they don't truly understand, I hope that Chrisette, Chrisette Michelle understands um, the consequences of her actions. Because clearly from a financial standpoint, she definitely understands. No, yes, she knows. But, it's, but it's deeper than a financial consequence. It's understanding like what you mean to people as a musician you know, she's made some of the most beautiful love songs that yeah, I've ever heard. Wedding songs, like, like like wedding songs. Love is you. Um, if if I have my way, a couple of forevers. If I have my way, is like one of the greatest <laughs> songs ever. <laughs> um, 
and her voice is one of a kind. But that doesn't excuse you from yeah, your fuckery. Yeah, but just you know what, um, yeah, um, I agree with the whole um, what you said about cancel. We as cancelers, we have to allow people to grow. I agree with that to a certain extent. I don't think that can. I, yeah, I was gonna. Yeah, preface like that. I, I think that yes, we should allow them to grow, and they are they are going to grow. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we have to accept the back. It's going to be a case by case basis. We aren't. Yeah, oh, we yeah. are a monolith. If you've hurt your fan enough and to the point where they feel like they just don't want to support you anymore, they have that right. And like now yeah, you don't have to buy anything you don't yeah, want like to. They like, have I don't right. to... now that shouldn't stop your growth. That shouldn't stop you mm-hmm. as a person growing from what you did and realizing it's wrong and changing your actions so that it won't happen again. And if you did that right. part, then maybe people would be more open to bring to allowing you back into their heart. But where I feel like on from the canceler side, people aren't allowed that. Like it's just like we we um we kind of get chat people get chastised for canceling people real fast. It is a thing. Oh, cancel yeah. cancel cancelers get chastised for canceling and then but then um when you're looking at these artists and you're seeing that there hasn't been any look, look at chris brown you see that there hasn't been any <laughs> yeah. oh God. We, people been canceling chris brown since canceling chris brown but then you're looking at him and you see there hasn't really been any growth like okay yes he he um he um beat up rihanna really really bad and then you know, some people canceled him. Some people, his his career still um, thrive. He threw Karuchi down the stairs. Some people canceled him. Some people let his career still thrive. It, we're not seeing a change in that. You know what I'm saying? And that's yeah. where I feel like that's going to be a, the case by case basis. Like, yeah, you can grow. You should be able to grow without whether you should be able to grow as a person if you truly did learn whether I I still buy your CD or not. You know? Right. It's just like when you're making an apology. Exactly. Talking the the real apology comes in the actions that you make post the apology. Like, are you actually going to make an effort to not do what you did to hurt me? Like, I canceled Kanye, and I have not. Per- it's it's been so long since I purchased a Kanye CD. Period. But I've had no reason to listen to Kanye. Kanye hasn't really made anything of recent that would make me want to listen to him. But just like I, I don't have no desire. Like though, I will say I went back and listened to an old song like the other day because I even said I was like, "Man, famous with Rihanna, that beat oh. change with Swiss still sounds so." Kanye was one of my favorite rappers, and it hurt. I am hurt. Will I be able to ever forgive Kanye? he has done these past couple of years I don't know if I can <laughs> I don't know even I don't know it's, it's a great I, apology I don't know if I would be able to do it because that's just how much like he's hurt me at uh, us as a community you know and yeah, so absolutely I I cannot financially support that and I, and I, I don't know well so we're coming to a close um before I let you go, I'm gonna let you talk about your film. Um, tell everybody about your film that's uh, coming. That's right now um, in the festival rotation. But before that, what's your favorite problematic song right now? My favorite problematic song right now. That's a mm. good question. Got um, if you got a good, 
I got a. I have a. I have one. Problematic. I box. do have one. I'm going through my title right now. My favorite problematic song right now is called "Lean With It" by Juice World, and. <laughs> <laughs> I like and I just think that it just put me in a mood and it's so he has a part where he says fucked up liver with some bad kidneys and I was just like real <laughs> <laughs> that is my favorite problematic sick. song right now Um, my favorite problematic bop right now is Ariana Grande's Seven Rings oh! it, it is the Catchiest song on earth. I, you know, I haven't heard it. I haven't heard it yet. It's a bop. I haven't heard it okay? yet. Everybody keeps it talking about a, like that. And like it a, is a true yeah. bop. You <laughs> like my hair? G thanks. Just bought it. Listen, <laughs> I feel seen. <laughs> it and it bumps in the car. It like, does. See. Yes, it does. Like it feels weird because it's like Ariana is this Latinx woman whatever she started to tan a lot more often but she's um, not she's I know not that she, latinx though oh no, she's not she's, oh, okay. she's a white woman oh she's a yeah. white woman oh and her name is I not grande it's, it's actually grandy um i saw oh. a whole interview about that and everybody was like okay because she pronounced it grandy because that's her you know her grandfather's name and so everybody was uh, like your name is grandy uh, why are you allowing people to pronounce it grande but her seeming to be a person of color instead of just you know and it's a uh, uh, you know uh, olive oil white. <laughs> all white. That's what it is. That that's that exactly that sells more, right? Because you know mm-hmm. people of color are the well, black people are the gatekeepers too. They but, are. You the know, if you person mean, of color, it's like you you have some type of um, you're kind of adjacent. You know, so you're you're yeah, exotic. you're exotic. You're- so. I don't know, man. Like that. Look, listen. One of my friends sent it to me. She was like, "Listen, it's a bop. It's problematic, but it's a bop." I'm like, "So it's a it's a PB. It's a problematic bop." I said, "I can live with that." So I said, "I'm gonna start asking all of my guests. Name me a problematic bop." That is a really good question, though. I went right straight to my title. Like, ooh. (laughs) Like what? Like, and I I know that song, that Juice World song, because I listened to that last Juice World album. So great, great choice, (laughs) great choice. Um, but. I don't know, man. Like I'm telling you, put that, put seven rings in your rotation. Okay. I got titles, so I'll, get, I'll give it a spin. It should be on yeah. title. And play it when you with your girls, right before you like go out, right before you go to the festival to that Q and A, and tell me, don't you feel like you're that girl? Because I feel like that guy, and the song's definitely not for me. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't stop. Like I've. The other day, I listened to it five times straight in the car because I was like, yo, this beat is infectious and I can't get it out of my okay, head. So yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if it's like, and I think what's really funny is like they've started to announce her. Um, she has a new album coming and the track list came out uh, recently. And one of the songs was God is going to bother me. The song title was hilarious. Um let me see here. Uh, I'm going to have to Google it because I'm going to find it. Uh, one of the songs is called Break Up With Your Girlfriend, I'm Bored. And I'm <laughs> okay. like, is, is Ariana, I feel like Ariana is having her, um, not Good Girl Gone Bad, she's having her R-rated Rihanna okay. moment right now. Okay, girl. Um, you know, she's she's in her post-breakup with Pete. Yeah. And, you know, she's been through some stuff. So, 
You remember Rihanna went through some things with Chris, obviously, and then she made a turn yeah. and her music really evolved. Uh, R-rated is one of her best albums. Yeah. Um, it, it's one of it's it was one of my favorite Rihanna albums, and so I feel like this is like Ariana's like coming of age album, maybe yeah. where she's growing up a little bit. Like she's twenty four, twenty five. She's trying to make club bops now. She wants to be more than a pop artist. Um, because I don't really know where she fits. Like hip hop music is pop music now because it is popular music, yeah. and so the lines are really Until blurred in genres. So award, then you know. <laughs> yeah, so you're trying to get an award and you get real white again, um, like when just when Justin Timberlake did country all of a sudden, um, <laughs> we didn't forget. <laughs> so um, I'm I'm really in like you know thank you next was cute now seven weeks like it went from cute song for thank you next to bop okay seven and I'm like okay that's the first thing I said I'm like it's a bop I like it. Like, I put it in my group chat, and everybody was like, yeah, this kind of slap, bro. I'm not even going to lie to you. <laughs> when grown men say it's slap, it slaps. So, I mean, I think it's problematic still because, you know, she stole Soldier Boy's flow. Um, <laughs> but worse things have happened. Um, but tell the people where they can find you on the Twitterverse, on the Facebook uh, verse. Tell them how they can see your film and everything. Definitely. So you can find me on um, all of my social media is Shayla Raquel. That's S-H-A-Y-L-A-R-A-C-Q-U-E-L. That's my Instagram, my Twitter, um, and my Facebook page. Um, yep. As you said, I'm a filmmaker. Um, I am currently on the film festival circuit with my latest short film entitled River Mint. Um, so I'm currently in Tallahassee, Florida for the Tally Shorts Film Festival right now. Um, shout out to the 850. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay. <laughs> well, um, you guys make sure if you're in Tallahassee, make sure that you are going to see the film. Go meet Shayla. I really wish that I could put all of my social media handles as like my first name or middle name or first name. Last name. It's so hard. Somebody still has my whole first name, oh. and it, and he doesn't tweet, and it pisses me off every single time. Um, guy hasn't tweeted in like years, and I just want to email Twitter like, "Yo, can you just delete this account so I can have this?" Um, but as you guys know, you can uh, check out all the socials, uh, Doctor TGIF on Instagram and Twitter, or that's D-R-T-G-I-F. Remember to check the socials, uh, the TGIF podcast. If you have any questions, remember you can actually submit questions on the Anchor app and you can actually phone in. I'm going to start taking questions soon. Um, also, you can follow us at TGIF pod um, on Twitter. And also remember to get ready. If you have not purchased your book for Reading While Black, remember to purchase at the dark end of the street, Black Women Rape, Black Women Rape, and Resistance by Danielle McGuire. It's going to be amazing. Please read with us for February 1st. Shayla, I hope you can participate. Yeah, I wish you could. Definitely. You know, being being a FAMU alum, um, that I, I know that you would probably love to meet her. Um, and also, um, Danielle McGuire, and I'm going to talk about this more on the Reading While Black uh, podcast. Uh, Danielle and um, Betty Jean Owens, um, grandson and Tone, um, they're doing a petition to write letters to Betty Jean Owens to thank her for her heroism. Mm -hmm. 
So the entire month of February, we're going to be pubbing that. So if you guys want to send Betty Jean Owens a letter of thanks for the things that she's done, her heroism during 1959 after her assault and bringing those four and putting those four white men in prison for life, um, we'll be putting out that information on Twitter and on Instagram and on, on the uh, Facebook as well for Reading While Black. So you guys can do that. Remember to go buy all the merch. Got to get your merch, get your merch. Um, and that's all I got, guys. Y'all be safe this weekend. Um, it's payday tomorrow. It's my first payday at my new job. Oh, so congrats, congrats. Me some money. About to go spend me some money. Uh, go out on this date uh, tomorrow. Um, good luck to myself because I'm going to need it. I've been out the game for a minute, so going out on a date is going to be kind of <laughs> um, So we'll see how that goes. Um, and other than that, guys, have a great weekend, like I said. Thank you guys so much, and we will catch you guys next week on the TGIF podcast. See you guys.